Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Welcome back to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. You know, Russian literature can be intimidating. It serves up dense volumes with lots of suffering. But this summer, the Old Globe Theater commissioned Crime and Punishment, a comedy, to find out how this classic tale of murder and morality became a 90-minute romp, KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with playwrights Gordon Greenberg and Steve Rosen. Stephen Gordon, you have created a show called Crime and Punishment, a comedy. Now, anyone familiar with Dostoevsky's novel knows it is not a comedy. It deals with murder and a young man who has committed a crime and suffers moral anguish from this. So how did the idea of turning this into a comedy come about? And Gordon, why don't you start? I think when Barry asked us to adapt a great piece of uh, world literature for the stage and gave us kind of free reign, to talk about different possibilities, we looked for what we thought was the grimmest and most serious piece of literature. Because as you know, the more seriously something takes itself, the easier it is to send it up. So that was our way in. And Steve? Well, we were also in the midst really of the pandemic had just sort of started. And as Gordon said, when Barry Edelstein reached out to say, we'd love you to adapt another classic work of literature to the stage in a, in a funny way and the way that you guys like to do it, which is a sort of a hyper theatrical, small cast lo-fi feeling way. We both were feeling uh, particularly probably trapped in our homes and uh, with the weight of the world upon us from all the things that were happening that were outside of our control. And so when we started sort of looking into the themes and the ideas in Crime and Punishment, it seemed like something we could use the moment we were in to try and express ourselves emotionally, but also a parallel to what, we were ha- what was happening to us and in the modern world. So what was your first introduction to Dostoevsky and what was kind of your initial reaction to his kind of writing and his storytelling? I think in high school, when we were assigned it, I probably read the Cliff Notes because it seemed terrifying and intimidatingly long and sad. And yet at the same time, I think there was something at its core that spoke to me and maybe it was my great-great-grandparents' Russian backgrounds and the sense of Eastern European 
despair and figuring out how to find hope on the other side of, of trauma and difficulty. And these are all people in, like Les Miserables, I mean, these are people who are facing abject poverty and physical decrepitude and all kinds of challenges. And ultimately, in Dostoevsky's version, I think he looked to religion to be the answer, a certain spirituality um, that comes through the character of Sonia in the book, who was almost a Mary Magdalene-like character. I believe she was a prostitute. In our adaptation, we've taken some of the same core ideas, but translated them into what amounts to a pretty new story. So it's really a riff on crime and punishment as opposed to a straight-up adaptation. And Steve? People in my family have always been voracious readers, and they were readers of the, you know, all of the great works. And I was always more of a classics illustrated kid, where I would get my Dostoevsky from the comic book version of it. But my introduction to Dostoevsky was my brother coming home from college when he really got into reading European literature, and he came back with Dante's Inferno and Crime and Punishment. And I just remember seeing these big, thick books with these very dour-looking people on the front of them looking so miserable. I was like, who wants to read this book? But his explanation was that, like, these are actually great. The themes are amazing. It's like this tells us that the times that we live in now are not so different than the times that they were then. And this guy was saying things that I still identify with today. And so in a weird way, it was, it was my brother introducing me to the power of this kind of classic literature uh, that sort of got me first into the, into the world of Dostoevsky. Yeah, so it was when my brother came back from college, that was it. And you mentioned that this is not strictly an adaptation of Crime and Punishment. And I saw that this was kind of a riff on Russian literature in general. So how did you kind of pack all this into a 90-minute comedy? Well, we end up throwing in everything but the kitchen sink, as they say. Um, really, we looked for how to take the story of Rodia Raskolnikov, who's the uh, central protagonist of the original novel, and lift it to a world that lives a foot off the ground, as we say. So there are all kinds of crazy characters swirling around him, from the brothers Karamazov to the three sisters, and they show up in all manner of silly moments. However, I should say, not to sell this short, that this really does take the core of what that book was about and manifest it in a new version of the narrative that speaks to the idea that human experience is the same and that the ideas and challenges that the characters were facing them are still very much alive. The idea of moral relativity, the idea of justifying for ourselves the way we live, whether it's passing by an unhoused person on the street and being able to just walk right by and understand that there are certain inequities that is in life and somehow we convince ourselves that this is the fair and just way to live. And when there are arguments on either side of any question, be it philosophical, political, what have you, usually both sides of the argument are very much convinced that they're in the right. And that's what we're kind of getting inside of. How does someone fall into that trap. And we see it all the time now in tech geniuses, or maybe not geniuses like Elizabeth Holmes or the We Crashed guy. There's a whole spate of television shows about it in the last year or two. Um, so this kind of explores someone in a similar situation. Uh, the axe murder 
of the original has been replaced with a different type of murder, there is still a murder at the center of this and how one gets to the place where they convince themselves it's okay to murder someone and it's for the greater good, that there is net good to a bad or damaging decision that we make. So that's what's fascinating about this and the way it affects everyone in his life. This guy who's telling himself, I'm doing this for everyone else. I'm doing this for the world. Someone like Napoleon, you know, he had to kill people. There was collateral damage. But look, his, his legacy lives on in our civil codes and our bakeries. <laughs> and that's what's at the core of this. Yeah, well said, Gordon. I don't think I can say it much better than in the play that he you find we all know a perfect perfectly nice people in our lives who we've always sort of seen eye to eye with ideologically and then something happens some in their lives where they start making moral and ethical compromises to explain a point of view that probably before that point they were not so comfortable with or would have been you know would have found abhorrent and and they begin acts of mental and ethical gymnastics worthy of Nadia Comaneci in order to make it all make sense in their world. Tell people what they can expect because you have a small group of actors playing a very large number of characters. They can expect a virtuosity on the stage of watching people change characters before their eyes. So it lives somewhere between Saturday Night Live and the Royal Shakespeare Company. Do you want to add anything to that, Steve? I think that you couldn't have said it better. No, it, it's uh, you know it's very theatrical. It celebrates the convention of theater. It's the kind of the, you you can expect it to see something that you can only see in a theater. A story coming to life before your eyes. People changing characters on a dime. An amazing experience in the round as well. So that's one of the other fun challenges of this show and and the joy in watching Gordon stage something where basically you can sit on any side of this and you're basically transplanted into the world of Raskolnikov and the world that that we've created here. And it's going to be a really fun night at the theater. That I know. And do you hope that on some level, while this is entertaining people, that somewhere it may click in their brain that they want to go and explore some of these actual novels or some of Dostoevsky's work? That would be swell. I mean, I feel like if by the end they've come out, the audience having been moved a little bit and having uh, something to think about that illuminates something in our own lives and, and the ways that divides pop up between people, between factions, then it's a big win because we know it's a lot of fun. We know it's, it's silly in places. It features puppets, but by the end, it does actually address something quite real and human. And uh, I think there's an opportunity for this to feel really good on both levels, both a comedic level and a, a literary human level. What I hope more than anything, aside from people rekindling their interest in love of classic literature, is that we'll encourage more people to come to the theater and come to the Old Globe because the work that they're putting up there right now is so exciting and the fact that they're commissioning new works at a time when so many regional theaters are really struggling is such an honor and a privilege for us and a joy because nothing... I, I think I can speak for Gordon when I say that the theater is the thing that we love more than anything. And the fact that we can now bring people back and show them new things or new interpretations of old things and create new experiences is very exciting after all we've been through. I 
want people to bring their kids to the theater. I want teenagers to come see this and see Crime and Punishment so that they can acknowledge both the fact that like theater is really fun and I'm going to laugh my butt off, but also like you can take something, this book that I'm reading in school that may feel inaccessible to me, there is a way into it or there is a way for me to do something with it and make it more accessible in other ways, this tremendous source material. But something like this, Crime and Punishment, even the title feels like eat your vegetables. Do you know what I mean? It, there's a, a sense about it that seems so dramatic that it seemed like a, it seemed like it was daring us to make fun of it or to find humor in it. It was actually really, it was fun to explore and find because the situations that this person finds himself in, the red tape he has to go through, the bureaucracy that he's got to jump and deal with, it's not very different than what we deal today at the DMV or dealing with our taxes or dealing with universities and all that sort of stuff. And so finding parallels between the humorous inconveniences that we face today, even on that sort of smaller level and applying them into this world, it was a fun challenge. Um, and whenever Gordon and I get together, we just wind up goofing around and laughing anyway. So it just seemed like a natural extension of our hanging out to say, okay, let's let's take this... Let, let, this seems impossible. Let's give this a try. Talk a little bit about creating something which to the audience feels sort of like chaotic and so much is going on and it feels like there's nothing like really controlled. But how much work and craft has to go into kind of creating a play that feels so kind of loose and free and crazy? A show like this, because there are only five people in it and there are so many scenes and so many characters and so many ideas, it's all choreographed, it's all planned. And you kind of want to give an actor all of the foundation, all of the kind of guardrails to play within. And I always say, you know, directing to me is like making a big bento box where there's all these tiny compartments that are set and that help us tell the story. But within each compartment, the actors can play every night um, and have that spontaneous combustion that can only happen live. And so there is a bit of danger because you're never sure exactly what the play is going to be on any given night. And yet you have a sense of the overall flow and thrust and certainly the staging. There is a bit of puppet dancing in this as well. I'll warn you. <laughs> a lot of puppet warnings. And we also, aside from the wonderful work that Gordon is doing staging, because he co-wrote it and he's directing the show, we have a, a, a tremendous company of actors who are working together as a team, supporting each other. Because it is, it isn't just about we're going to do this scene and then we go off stage. It's that we're going to go in this scene and then as soon as it ends, I have to grab that chair, put that here, hand this person a mustache, and then we're into the next section. So there is a great deal of choreography that has to happen in order for this to look the way that it does. And I, I to me, I, I could never do what what they what these what this company of actors and what this director are doing. It is so complicated and but so seemingly simple. You would never know how complicated it is. Well, I want to thank you very much for talking about crime and punishment, a comedy. Uh, just the title alone, the collision of those two phrases makes you curious to see what happens. That's the idea. Uh, well, we hope to see you uh, at the Old Globe. We are having a, a tremendous time. The, I, I'm sure that the bar there serves vodka so you can get yourself into the mood. And yeah, bring your kids. It's going to be fun. 
That was Beth Accomando speaking with playwrights Gordon Greenberg and Steve Rosen. Crime and Punishment, a comedy, runs through August 20th at the Old Globes Theater in the Round. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. 